Thanks for tuning in to Expressing Motherhood. My name is Lindsay Cavett. You're about to listen to Erica Garza. She's the author of the memoir, Getting Off, One Woman's Journey Through Sex and Porn Addiction, which has been featured at the New York Times, Elle, Vice, The Guardian, the LA Review of Books, Cosmopolitan, Megyn Kelly Today, and NPR, a lot of places. Her essays have appeared in Time, wow, go Erica, Glamour, Health, Bust, Good Housekeeping, The Cut, The Los Angeles Review, and Salon. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband and daughter. I was reading her book. I found it off of a list of the top, of, you know, top 10 books you should read. I think it was in the New York Times, and so I was like, ah, I should read this. So I got it. I snapped a photo of it. I tagged Erica on Instagram, and then I found out that she lived in L.A., so I invited her to a show, and she actually came, which is so great because sometimes I'll invite people and won't hear back. But not only did she respond, she showed up, and uh, she's super cool, and then she submitted, and I cast her, So and she closed the show. She's my closer. Her piece is unique and strong, and you're about to listen to it. So without further ado, here is Erica Garza in Expressing Motherhood. The first and only time my mom ever talked to me about sex happened when I was 10. Passing the local high school, she pointed out a few pregnant girls who couldn't have been older than 16 and said, don't ever let that happen to you. And then pointing to my crotch, don't let anyone ever touch you down there. What she didn't say was something I wouldn't come to realize for years. She was a young mother. This had happened to her. My mom's reluctance to talk about sex was really a reluctance to admit that she was afraid I'd suffer the same fate. My dad was just as uncomfortable as she was. When things got hot and heavy in whatever movie we were watching, the response was immediate, close your eyes until we say, and I complied, listening to the indistinct sounds of what I was not allowed to see until it was all over. I can understand my parents not wanting to talk about sex with me at 10, but the talk never came. Sex was something dirty and sinful, something to blush about, something to hide. These were obviously inherited ideas. My grandparents on both sides had the same reaction when a love scene unexpectedly danced across the TV screen, a shriek of discomfort followed by covered eyes and the response that somebody changed the damn channel. Whether it was a Latino thing or a Catholic thing, I couldn't be sure. Even my teachers laughed uncomfortably when they explained that sex was something that happened between two married people who loved each other for one reason alone, procreation. Though I had limited knowledge of how sex worked, I began gradually piecing it together when my parents weren't around. I'd been making lists of boys I wanted to kiss in my journal for a few years, but the lists became longer the more curious I grew, sometimes included drawings. There seemed to be no one I didn't find attractive in my fifth grade class. (laughs) I wanted all the boys, some of the girls too, and even our teacher, Mr. Rivera. In class, I'd stare at Mr. Rivera's crotch, trying to imagine what he looked like under his clothes. I stared at my female teacher's breasts and long legs. I stared at my classmates' bodies with such unquenchable curiosity and thirst. But I had no idea what to do with this desire except to try and ignore it, though the bubbling in my brain proved difficult to control. And since no other girls were talking about this kind of thing, and I wanted desperately to be a good Catholic girl, I figured something terrible was happening to me. 
Thankfully, I discovered an outlet for all my pent-up sexual frustration not long after, thanks to the water faucet and later late-night Cinemax, and even later, the endless expanse of the internet. But tangled up in the overwhelming pleasure I found was an even more overwhelming sense of shame. And this shame spread like a disease, clouding my thoughts, dimming my self-confidence, making me feel like an unlovable loser with a pathetic secret life. I didn't know how to disconnect feeling bad and feeling good. The two seemed to go together. And I feared the day when my parents might find out what I was doing all those hours, straining my eyes in the dark as I sought temporary thrills through screens and sensations. In retrospect, my discovery of sexual pleasure is ordinary. Just because I wanted to explore my body as much as I did doesn't mean I had a problem. But when life handed me my faded challenges, scoliosis, class bullies, teenage angst, and social anxiety, my curiosity turned to obsession. Sex became an escape route, an emotional crutch, and my only friend. At the same time, chat rooms gave way to downloading videos, which gave way to streaming websites, and soon boys started noticing me. I found I could escape endlessly, attempting to fill a hole that could never be filled this way. Years passed, then decades, my habits intensified, my loneliness became a way of life. I still didn't know how to talk about it, but one day I tried. And what I found was that talking led to healing. If I told all my secrets, then they no longer had a power over me. When people find out that I'm a recovering sex addict and that I wrote a whole book about it because it was the only way I knew how to step away from shame, there's one question I get asked more than any other. What if your daughter reads your book one day? My daughter is only two. We have not yet had our first sex talk yet. <laughs> but I'd be lying if I said that I'm not looking forward to the day when she comes to me with her questions. And I do hope she comes to me. Recently, along with the words penis and vagina, she has learned the dreaded F word. And she says it often, usually in public. <laughs> Though she has yet to learn how this word relates to sex, there is a sense of amusement, and dare I say it, pride, in hearing her utter something that others may find shocking, lewd, and shameful. Despite the look of judgment I sometimes get from other parents, I'm reluctant to stop her from saying what she needs to say. So if my daughter wants to read my book one day, she'll be happy to know that I've saved a signed copy just for her. Dear daughter, it reads, some people may try to tell you to be polite, to hide your body, to watch what you say, to watch what you eat, to not be a slut, to not ask too many questions, to be good, to be small, to be afraid. I hope you tell them to fuck off. <laughs>